the Apostle Paul writing to the young preacher these final words before he faces Nero's chopping block and before Paul is taken to heaven to be with the Lord, knows that the young preacher will face much opposition. He knows that he will face hardship and difficulty, not only as a Christian, but as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has exhorted him to be strong in the grace that is given in Christ. He has exhorted him to take the things that Paul has taught him and that he has heard of Paul. He is to believe that, embrace it, and also commit that to other men, that they may be able to keep passing truth from one generation to another. He gives the analogy of the Christian life in the realm of the soldier in verse 3, how the soldier is to endure hardness. He talks about the Christian life in verse number 5, in regard to the athlete, how he must strive to win the crown for the mastery, and he must do it lawfully. He can't cheat or bend or break the rules. And then he mentions the husbandman or the farmer to young Timothy, how the farmer must be a partaker of the fruits. He must labor. He must weather the storms. He must go through the seasons, and he must do the things that a good farmer does in order that they have a crop. These are important things. Paul tells Timothy to consider what he says. If he will contemplate it, if he will think about it, if he will give attention to it, then the promise is that the Lord will give him understanding in all of these things. It doesn't mean that Timothy will understand everything perfectly, but it means the Lord will give him understanding that he may be a Christian, a victorious Christian, and a victorious servant of Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes to that great example. He calls on the memory of Timothy in verse 8. He asks Timothy to remember Jesus Christ, who came of the seed of David, and how he died and was raised from the dead. Paul had preached that in his gospel. He wants Timothy to remember that, and also to remember that it is because of that gospel that Paul suffered. It's because of that gospel that Paul is now bound in these chains of, of prison and will soon die. But he wants Timothy to know that the gospel, the Word of God, is not bound no matter how men are bound. He reminds also Timothy that he goes through what he goes through. He endures and he suffers for the elect's sake. He is here that men may hear the Word of God and that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. And that brings us tonight to this passage of Scripture in verse 11, 12, and 13 that I want to entitle tonight, The Faithful Saying, or The Trustworthy Saying. And what Paul is doing here is he's reaching back, and some believe that this might have been a hymn that was sung in the early church, we just sang several hymns tonight that had uh, three, four verses and different, different stanza, but the verses. And some believe that maybe here in verse 11, 12, and 13, these four different statements or these four different phrases could have possibly been a poem that somebody wrote or a quotation based on Scripture or that it was an actual wording of Christ or wording of God that 
the early church may have sang whenever they assembled together. Either way, we know it's a faithful saying. What Paul is going to say in these four different sayings, in these three verses, they are trustworthy. What he's going to say, you can believe and you can embrace. Everything we sang tonight, based on Scripture, is a faithful saying. It's trustworthy. You can, uh, you can embrace it. You can believe it. You can draw strength from it because it is the truth of the Lord. So notice here in verse number 11, first of all, Paul says, It is a faithful saying, and then he will tell us four of these faithful sayings. Now this is the fifth time, there, there are five, this is the fourth time when you look at 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, but there are five faithful sayings or true sayings that are mentioned in that language in the pastoral epistles of 1, 2 Timothy, and the, the uh, third pastoral epistle, the book of Titus. Back in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 15, Paul says this, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. In chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, he says this is a true saying. Same word. And then he begins to give us the office of the bishop and what he's going to say is trustworthy statements. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 9, he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. And then here in 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse 11, he says it again. And then it will be mentioned again in the pastoral epistle in chapter 3 and verse 8 of Titus. This is a faithful saying. So this is a, this is a statement. This is a, a word that Paul uses very carefully but very specifically whenever he is about to tell Timothy or he's to include something in the pastoral epistles that is trustworthy. Now, certainly everything that he wrote is trustworthy. Everything that's in the epistles is the Word of God. But this, but this phrase and particular formula is like a stamp of approval. And he wants you to hear the combination of what he is about to say. And each time Paul uses these words, he is going to introduce a subject or he has introduced a subject or a matter that is important. So when Paul writes, he says, this is a faithful saying. He's, he's saying, I want you to pay attention to this. I don't want you to miss this. And that is what he's saying to Timothy and that is what he is saying to us tonight. I want to, for a few moments this evening, I want to call your attention to these four statements in verse number 11 through 13. Sometimes the Word of God just very, very casually and very simply outlines itself. In verse 11, 12, and 13, the four statements are preceded by the little word, if. If you'll notice in Scripture, the first one, if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. Number two, in verse 12, if we suffer we shall also reign with Him. Number 3 in verse 12, If we deny Him, He also will deny us. And number 4 in verse 13, again with the word if, If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful, He cannot deny Himself. So each one of these statements begins with the little word if, and the word if is talking about the action on the part of the believer. If we are dead with 
Christ, if we have died in Christ, if we suffer because of Christ, if we somehow or for some reason would deny Him, and if we fail to believe at some point, this is all based on our action and based on what we do with what we have. And then each of these statements ends with a word describing how Jesus will respond to what we do. If we are dead with Him, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, then we shall live with Him. That's what's going to happen. If we suffer, then we're going to reign with Him. If we deny Him, then now He tells us what He's going to do. He's going to deny us. If we don't believe, then Paul tells us what God's going to do. He's going to abide faithful no matter what you and I do. So each of these phrases or statements, each of these four, begin with calling our attention to what we are doing or what we might do, and then it reminds us of what God will do or what Christ will do in response to what we have done. Now again, I want to remind you tonight, and I hope you understand that Paul is repeating this refrain. He's going over this, not once, twice, three, but four times. He is going over this in this section right here in order to stress to Timothy the reality of present suffering and future glory. In each of these four statements, if something happens, something corresponding is going to result because that has happened. We don't go through life and believe Him one day and deny Him the next day or do this one day and something else differently without consequences and without the results of that taking place as well. He wants Timothy to understand the cross has to come before the crown. He wants Timothy to know that hardship and difficulty and discipline and labor are a part of the Christian life. He's already said that in the metaphors of the, of the farmer and the athlete and the soldier. And he will say that again in the latter part of this chapter with the workman and the vessel and the servant of the Lord. And he presses right in the middle here, and he tells Timothy, this is a faithful saying. I want you to set up, I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying here, because it is vitally important that you know that the crown does not come before the cross. The crown does not come. The, the, the life of glory and ease in heaven does not come before the life of hardship and difficulty down here. This is what he called upon Timothy to remember in verse 8. He wanted him to remember Jesus Christ, how he had suffered and died and was raised. And then Paul wants Timothy to remember that he himself had suffered trouble because of his identification with, with Christ. Timothy, just because I'm going to die and leave, Paul is saying, that's not going to make the load any lighter. It's not going to, just because people are believing the gospel, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to believe. And it doesn't mean that men are going to somehow turn down the persecution because the great apostle Paul has went home to be with the Lord. And that's what he's doing in verse 11, 12, and 13. He is reinforcing those truths with these statements. They're very simple. They're very clear. And I want us to look at them tonight. And they are faithful sayings. They're worthy. They're worthy. They're truthful. They're righteous statements. They're statements you can believe. This is not what might happen. This is what is going to happen. A couple of these statements are very positive in nature, and the other two are negative in nature. 
the positive and the negative. It's going to happen. First of all, let's look at verse number 11, the first of the four statements. He says, For if we be dead with Him, or if we have died with Him, we shall also live with Him. If we have died with Him. Now the Him here, of course, the H-I-M, refers to Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, if, if we have died with Christ, then we shall also live with Him. Now I mentioned the little word if in each quotation. It's the little Greek word ah, which uh, is not asking a question, but rather assuming a condition. It's true. We have died with Christ. If you're saved tonight, you have died with Christ. We have died to sin. We have died with Christ. Therefore, we live in Him. But what's Paul actually talking about here when he talks about if we be dead with Him or if we have died with Him? Now, some think because of the context of, of the entire book and because of Paul's impending death and the suffering and the trouble that Paul has mentioned, some think that Paul is talking about martyrdom here. He's telling Timothy that if you die because of the gospel or because of Christ, then you will have life because of that. But that, I, I don't think that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying that if we have died with Him, if we are dead with Him, he is referring to the believer's death to sin through our union with the Lord Jesus Christ and through our life in Him. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Now we know Paul was not crucified on the cross, literally, in a physical body, the same way Jesus was. He's talking about this dying with Jesus Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, he said, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live with the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The Bible teaches us tonight, and it's a glorious truth, that when the sinner comes to Christ in repentance and faith, when we come to Christ in humility and brokenness, we die with Him in the death that He died for us. Also, the resurrected life that Jesus now lives is ours to share. If we died with Him, if we are dead with Him tonight, thank God we also live with Him. The resurrected life of Christ is in us tonight, and we are alive because we died to Him and we live with Him. What Paul is doing here is in just a brief phrase, a few words, he is taking Romans 6, or Romans 6, 3 through 6, and he's packing it into this statement. Listen again to verse 11. For if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. Now listen to Romans 6, verse 3 through 6. Know you not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection." Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Paul is telling Timothy, I want you to know this is a trustworthy, a true statement. If, and that's 
Only you and God know if you have. If you be dead with Him, then you also, based on the promise of Christ, you live with Him. You live with Him. If you have died to sin in Him, thank God you also have His life. When He died, we died with Him. Those of us who have believed Him. And when He raised, we raised with Him. Paul continues with this in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 12, buried with Him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised Him from the dead. When we have literal water baptisms here at the church, you witness someone who has professed faith in Christ. They come down into the water. They're immersed out of sight, a symbol of death. And then they appear again, what the old-time Baptists used to call the watery grave, because it pictures the truth that the pathway to life has to come through death. And the only way you and I can have life tonight is in the death of Jesus Christ. And it's a trustworthy statement tonight that if we be dead with Him, we also live with Him. He's not talking about you living with Him someday in heaven, which is true anyway, He's talking about His resurrection life being in us right now. Paul said, oh, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. He wants Timothy to know the same. He wants Timothy to know and us to know that believers are dead. We're dead tonight to the governing and condemning power of sin. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. Why? Because we identify with His death and also with His resurrection all that we have tonight is christ so this first quotation is a true picture of the christian life the christian life is not a life free of problems it's not a life of health and prosperity the christian life is victory in the midst of suffering it's victory in the midst of troubles it's victory in the midst of everything going south it's victory in the midst of all of that because if you're a christian you have died with jesus christ and now you also live with him you have the great life of christ now because you identified with his death so here's the first trustworthy statement if you have died with him you're also alive in Him tonight. Are you saved? Have you died? Does sin no longer have a governing, controlling power of your life? That's because you died with Christ when He died for you. And now you have power to live for Him because of the life that He has given us in His resurrection. Now notice the second one in verse 12. Here's another trustworthy statement. If we suffer, if we suffer or endure... We shall also reign with Him. If we suffer or endure, that's what the word means. It means if we stay under, if we remain, if we undergo, if we bear up under it. It's a military term that Paul is using here. It's the way a Roman commander would have told his troops to stand firm no matter what was happening in term in terms of the enemy's charge against them, they are to endure, they're to, they're to remain, they're to stay under. And Paul's been talking about this all through this epistle, about being a soldier and enduring hardness and staying under. And here is something that is trustworthy. Timothy, if you endure, then rest assured, if God sees the action of your enduring, 
then God said you're going to reign with Him. If God sees you have died in Christ, then He's going to give you the life of Jesus Christ as well. And if God sees you enduring, and if God sees you staying under and staying with it, no matter what the opposition is, rest assured that you're going to reign with Him as well. What a, what a glorious what a glorious promise that is. These are trustworthy statements. You see, the dying in Christ in verse number 11 and the living with Christ in verse number 11 is what gives us the grace to endure the suffering in verse number 12 and to endure the afflictions of an unbelieving world. If you have never died in Christ and you're not living by the resurrecting power of Christ and you're just a church member trying to live a good life, when the suffering comes, when the battle is on, there will be no enduring. There will be no lasting. But because we belong to Him, thank God we have grace to endure. And those who remain under, and those who endure, and those who bear it, the promise in verse 12 is, we shall also reign with Him. Paul is preparing Timothy for the long haul. He's telling Timothy, you've got to endure, you've got to suffer, you've got to stay with it, you've got to stay under it, and knowing that, that one day you will reign with Him. Because of the resurrection of our Lord, because He died, because He was buried and was raised to glory and to the right hand of the Father and to exaltation, you and I tonight as believers have the assurance that no matter what we experience in life, thank God one day we also will be raised to that level to reign with Him to be in His glory forever and forever. You say, preacher, I don't know if I can hold on. You're being held tonight. Don't, don't, don't concern yourself with holding on in that kind of thinking. Concern yourself with being held with being held to by our blessed Lord. And He's promising Timothy here, if you suffer, you're going to reign with Him. He's, he don't want Timothy to try to come up with something to avoid this, or get around this, or get beyond this. But he wants Timothy to understand that God's going to take him through it, and he will reign. The third quotation, he says, If we deny Him, he also will deny us. The same if, if is used here as in the first two, assuming that this condition is true, assuming that you have died with Christ, then the result is you live with Him. Assuming that you are enduring, then you're going to reign with Him. Now, assuming that you deny Him, He said, I will also deny you. He will deny you. Assuming that you deny Him in the present, He said, I will deny you in the future. And Paul is not stating here something that's presently happening. He's not saying that, what Timothy, that, any, that Timothy is currently denying him. He's not saying that anybody else is currently denying him. He wants Timothy to know that if that happens throughout the course of your life, then know this, that he will also deny you. What does that mean? This one is probably the easiest of all of the four because the answer is found in Matthew 10, 32 and 33 that we've looked at several months ago. Listen to what Jesus said. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before me, and him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. If we deny or if we disown Jesus, that has a wide range of meaning. 
from temporarily disowning Jesus, as I mentioned Peter this morning, uh, to full-blown apostasy. It can go even that far. Here is a solemn warning, especially when you understand that you and I have had very little suffering and very little persecution. You and I have been tempted very small in regard to what would bring about a denial. What would cause us to say like Peter did, I never knew this man. I never, I, I have nothing, to, I wasn't with him. I know nothing about him. I submit tonight that here in America we know nothing about that. We know nothing about that. And so the possibility is out there, but here is the warning, and it's a trustworthy statement. You, you, can, you can bank on this. Jesus said, if we deny him, whether it be like Peter, a temporary disowning, or a full-blown apostasy, if we disown and deny Christ, it is a promise that He will deny us. That is a sobering warning. He said He would do that. This denial is serious. To deny or to disown Christ, to deny that He is who He said He was, to disown Him as our Savior, to deny that we ever had a relationship with Him, to deny that what He has written in His Word is truth, and to disown, to separate ourselves from Him brings this promise. And He said, Timothy, I want you to know this. If in the future you or anyone else who now claims Him, denies Him, then He said, I want you to know that He also will deny us. Fourthly, and these last two are really, they stand in opposition to each other so beautifully. He says in verse 13, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. Now, now, if you openly, openly disown him and deny him, brother, he denies you. He said it. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. If you don't, I won't. And if you disown me and you say, I, know, I don't know you, then he said, I don't, don't know. You say, I don't know Jesus. He will say, I don't know you. But look at, look at verse number 13. If, and that means the possibility there, if at some point we believe not, and I want to suggest to every Christian here tonight, unless you just got saved this morning, that there's been a time in your life when you probably fit in that category of not believing. If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful. Believe not is translated faithless. If, if, we, if we at some stage or some place in our life become faithless, even as Peter did, if we, be, if we become so weak or overcome, and for some reason we, we, can't, we can't exhibit faith like we should, then look at what he promises. Yet he abideth faithful. Now if you just flat out deny him or disown him, he denies and disowns you. There's, there's no other option. But if those of us who name His name and who own Him as our Savior and who confess Him as our Lord, if we hit a patch where we are just faithless and we can't believe and in our weakness and our struggles and in our suffering and in our difficulties when we feel so overwhelmed and so overcome, if we for some reason become faithless in those times, Thank God He said, He abideth faithful. 
I'm grateful tonight that when I can't, He can. I'm thankful that when I didn't, He did. I'm grateful that when I wouldn't, He would. I'm grateful that when I could see no way, thank God He was the way. What a glorious, true statement. This is a faithful, trustworthy statement. When you and I become faithless, then He remains faithful. Now this believe not or this faithlessness is not apostasy. This is not some heresy. This is not an intended act of rebellion or disobedience on our part. This is a fear that matures, a lapse in faith. A failure to take God at His word, to really believe Him. I know if you're anything like me, you've prayed at times and you said, Lord, I know what you said, but this is, this is my child, Lord. This is my grandchild. This, this is the church I pastor. Lord, I know. And we have these moments when we are faithless. And the glory is, thank God, when we're like that, He abideth faithful. It, wouldn't be, it really wouldn't be encouraging tonight to, for us to go around this room and hear testimonies of how many times you and I have failed to believe and how many times we have been faithless. That wouldn't be encouraging at all. That could get depressing in a hurry. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't have to go any further than the pulpit and it would get depressing. But I'll tell you this, if we could take time tonight and go around everywhere and tell how many times when we were like that, Thank God He was faithful to us. He was faithful to us. You know, the Bible says on several occasions in the Old Testament, and God remembered. And God remembered Noah. God remembered Hannah. God remembered. When many of them forgot and many of them lapsed in faith, God remembered. He's a God that is faithful. And this is so encouraging. Notice the preceding quotation, number three, about denying Christ. It's terrifying. If, if, if you get there, then He denies you. But in the fourth one, if you and I lapse into unfaithfulness, He remains faithful. And this doesn't say, well, thank God I can just be faithless whenever I want to and He'll be faithful. That's not why that was written. It is written there to encourage us never to be like that. The classic example, the classic example that I know of this, and there's probably others, but to me the classic example of this, again, is Simon Peter. And you remember how he denied the Lord. Awful chapter in Peter's life, how he denied the Lord. And I'm not running down Peter. I'm, I'd rather talk about his life than I would mine, to be honest with you. But Peter, it's right there in the record, denied Peter denied him. He had already promised the Lord he'd never do that, and then he turned right around and done it. You know the story. He believed not. He was faithless. But then look at the second part of that. Yet, yet he abideth faithful. Do you remember, do you remember those latter chapters of John's Gospel? Chapter 19 and 20 when Peter, when everybody's walked away and Peter's, Peter's walked away. And Peter even goes back and, and he's fishing there in John 21. And you remember they're fishing. He's went back to, the, to, to where he was before. And you remember that glorious scene there whenever Peter's out there on the water and everything, everything is faithless. Everything is negative. And all of a sudden there comes a voice from the shore. Children, have you any meat? Do you remember that? You know what Christ is doing? He's abiding faithful. 
while Peter is being faithless. I heard a preacher preach one time, and I mention it every time I preach that text. He said, while Peter and all those apostles were unbelieving and denying and walking away, Jesus was on the shore making breakfast for seven AWOL disciples. He was on the shore cooking breakfast for men that had denied Him and walked away from Him. How many times have you done that and yet you would open your Bible and breakfast was ready? How many times have you been faithless and you'd come to a Sunday school class and breakfast is served? How many times have you been faithless and then you go to prayer and there He is warming your heart and blessing your soul? Well, I got a question tonight. If Jesus said, if you deny me, I'll deny you, that seems pretty clear cut. If we suffer, we reign with Him. Those are opposites. That seems pretty, pretty honest, pretty, pretty clear cut. If we die with Him, we live with Him, that's pretty, that's pretty clear cut. But how and why, when we are faithless, does He remain faithful? My question, why? It's answered there in the text. It's not because we deserve that. It's because... He cannot deny Himself, and He's a faithful God. And He cannot deny Himself no matter how unfaithful you and I ever become. He just remains faithful because, thank God, He is faithful. He is faith. That's who He is. He's a faithful God. If we have no faith in God, He will be faithful because He cannot change. Our faithlessness, our faithlessness does not change the faithfulness of God. He's going to be faithful to us because He's going to be faithful to who He is. I read this statement today. No man is always himself. That's probably true. You've probably made that statement. I was around so-and-so today. They just, they just wasn't their self. Maybe an athlete who's a great athlete. For some reason, he just don't, what they call, show up for that event. He just wasn't his self. Or your child who makes straight A's you know, and comes home with an F, and you say, well, they just wasn't their self that day. Now, let's get more realistic. Our children who usually fail come home with an A, and you say, man, he wasn't his self today, was he? Something amazing happened. But you know the statement that we're not always ourself. Do you know there's never a moment when God is anything less than himself, and he abideth faithful. These are statements worthy, trustworthy, and faithful. Maybe I'll have John put some music to these four verses, and we'll sing these. You know, there they are, four verses. If somebody can come up with a chorus, we maybe write a song out of these verses. Maybe one already written that I don't, that I don't know about. But there they are. If we die, if we're dead with Christ, if you identify with His, with his death, then you have His life. If you endure through the suffering of life, then you will reign. If you disown Him, He will deny and disown you. But if you have those lapses of faith in your life, He remains faithful. What do you think that meant to a young preacher? Now, a young preacher who had to know in the back of his mind, whether he had admitted or not, I don't, he had to know that after Paul left, he is going to blow it at some point in the journey. Well, I tell you what, I still think about that, don't you? I don't want to. I don't plan to. I don't intend to. But thank God tonight I know that if I do, 
He remains faithful. The promises are real. But I want to close with this. So are the warnings. So are the warnings. And it's serious business to deny Christ. It's serious business, whether it's just a temporary lapse or whether it goes to full-blown apostasy. It's serious business. Men still go to hell. Nobody talks about that much anymore. But if you die lost about Christ, you die and go to hell. Torment, everlasting separation under the wrath of God forever and forever. Jesus made that warning very clear in the Word of God, and so did Paul to Timothy. It's serious business if we deny Him. But the promises are sweet as well. Thank God we live with Him tonight. He will own us, and we will reign with Him, and He will be faithful to us. Must have been an encouraging word to a young preacher who was getting ready to see his, his hero, his mentor, his spiritual father go away from him, and it was going to be left with him to carry on the work. It ought to be encouraging to us tonight as well to know that our Lord will be with us and be faithful no matter what comes. Father, we thank you tonight for the Word of God. We thank you for the seriousness of the warning in these trustworthy statements. But Lord, we also thank you for the sweetness of the promises that are in there as well. Lord, the jury's still out on what we will do. Maybe the jury's still out on where people actually stand, whether they've actually died with Christ or not. But Lord, I pray tonight we'd settle those things in our heart and that we would live and serve and honor you. Thank you for these trustworthy and faithful statements tonight. Thank you that we can embrace them, we can believe them, and we can rejoice in the truth that is in them. You are God in your warnings, and you are God in your comfort and promises, and we worship you for it. Help us as we go our separate ways tonight. Help us through our working this week, school for our young people and children, and Lord, all the difficulties that will be faced, help those that are in surgery from our church this evening, those that will be there this coming week. I pray you would work in each situation to your glory and honor. And Lord, help us to be a witness to your gospel and a witness to the life we have within us this day, both physically and verbally and any other way possible. And may you be glorified in all that's said and done. We love you. Thank you for saving us and for the privilege to be here on this your day. Help us now throughout the week, and we'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.